God is God all by himself. His word describes his character, and he'll always be true to his word. So even though Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know him as Jehovah, that was still who he was. And so what he's saying to Moses is this, is look, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I made some promises. They knew me as El Shaddai. They knew me as the God that provided for them, that sustained them, that took care of them. But I'm getting ready to reveal myself to you in a different way. You're going to know me as the self-existent one. In other words, I'm getting ready to bring to pass all the promises I made to Abraham. He heard them. You're going to see them. Can I get an amen out there today? This is, this is what you've got to understand is that God hasn't forgot one promise he's ever made. He hasn't retracted his word. He hasn't given up on you. He's still going to fulfill everything he ever said he would do, but he does it his way. And so he reveals himself as the self-existent one. I don't need anybody to prop me up is what God's saying. I don't need anybody to assure me of who I am. I'm just God all by myself. And he would show himself that way. Do you understand what he did? He took on the most powerful army in the world. He had no allies. He, had, he needed no reinforcements. God just squared off with Egypt all by himself and brought that nation to its knees and made them recognize who he is. Now hear me, because you may understand who he is, but is that who he is to you? Let me say it to you this way. When God got done with Egypt, Pharaoh knew full well that their God was real. He called Moses and Aaron in, and he speaks to them, and he tells them, he said, look, he said, I, I want you to get your family together your flocks and your herds to get all your stuff your belongings and get out of Egypt get out of here all the Egyptians were afraid that they were all going to die because this God that they served would not let go of Egypt until they released his people and so Pharaoh acknowledges that. He said, you, gather your families, gather your wives, your children, your young ones, your flocks, your herds, and, and get out and, and, and just go. And then he says, but bless me also. Before you walk out of here, I want you to bless me. This is what he's saying. I acknowledge that your God is a God, but he is not my God. I want him to bless me, but I don't have any intention of following him. I want him to bless me, but I don't plan on living for him. I ran into that when I went to Trinidad. Trinidad 
had a religion that worshipped several gods. When I drove through the country, there were flags that were shoved in people's yards, a host of flags, different colored flags. And what I discovered was that each flag stood for a god. They worshipped gods of prosperity, gods of healing. I mean, they, they all had names and they all worshiped them. As a matter of fact, one of the front page of the paper when I got in there was a mother and father had murdered their children, buried them in the backyard, and they said that they had offered them as a sacrifice to one of the gods. And I thought to myself, how in the world can we do that in the 20th century? Now we're in the 21st century. How is that possible? But then when I think about it, it still happens right here. We may not take them and put them on an altar and take their lives, but we take away from them because we're not sharing this God with them that we know. How is it that now, if you're a Christian, <clears throat> that you've become an outcast of society. It's because people have to answer the question, who is he to you? I mean, who is God to you? As a matter of fact, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came together in the 16th chapter of Matthew, and they ask, they, they come to Jesus, and, and they tell Jesus, they, they said to him, look, Show us a sign from heaven that you're really who you say you are. You know, show, show us a sign. <laughs> I thought about these people had seen him perform countless miracles, but that's not enough for him. They'd heard his teaching, and the Bible said that he spake like no one ever spake before. Soldiers turned around and would not arrest him because of the power of his words. He lays an army flat on their back by saying, I am he. And yet these men say, show us a sign. In other words, I, you know, you're going to have to show me something to make me believe you're who you say you are. Well, the truth is, is they'd already seen the signs. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you know, <clears throat> a wicked an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. He said, and there's not going to be any sign given except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. And I thought about that, and what was the sign of Jonah? Jesus would relate that later. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man would enter the heart of the earth. And no one understood what he was saying. And what he was saying is, I'm going to go a place that you can't go and survive. I'm going to go into the heart of the earth. I'm going to meet the devil on his own territory, and there I'm going to defeat him and bring back for you the keys of death, hell, and the grave so that everyone knows who I am. He, he takes them aside and he, he separates the disciples, and when he gets the disciples aside, he begins to inquire of them, and he said, let me ask you a question. Who do men say I am? 
And they immediately started to respond and say, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist risen from the dead. And we know who said that. Herod said that of him. And some say you're Elijah. And some say you're Jeremiah. And some say you're that prophet that's to come. And then Jesus shifted direction. And, he, and this is what he was really getting at because he really wasn't concerned about what everybody else was saying, about who they said he was. He looked at him and then he said, but who do you say that I am? And it got deathly quiet because they were unsure. But all of a sudden, the fisherman turned disciple, turned apostle, spoke out and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he looked at him and he said, you're blessed, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he said, now your name is Peter. You are the rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of you ready to build it on the rock? Amen. To stand on the rock. So he lets them know who he is is and he talks to them about it and he they they relate to him who he is to them but the question remains is who is he to us what does he mean to us today there's a uh, show called america's got talent how many of you have ever seen it Stay with me just a second. My notes are trying to escape me. So in America's Got Talent, a lot of times they ask the contestants this question. I don't know if you've ever heard them ask it, but I've, I've heard them ask it on several occasions. And they ask, well, what would it mean to you if you were to win this competition? And I've heard people respond on numerous occasions, well, to win this competition would mean everything to me. And I thought, really? Everything? Everything you count dear in life, you've just hinged on whether or not you win a talent show? Everything that's near and dear to you is hinged on whether or not they crown you whether or not you win the Miss Universe pageant, whether you win the Mr. Olympian pageant, whether you win American Idol or America's Got Talent, that means everything to you? If it is, then you've sold yourself really short because you're a lot more important than a talent show. You're a lot more important than a beauty contest. You're a lot more important on how much muscle you can flex or how you can strike a pose. That's not who you were meant to be. Oh, I'm not knocking that and it's all right. And if you win, congratulations and, 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 and the best to you. But if you've hung your whole life on that, then your life can become very empty. There was a man that hung everything on that. He said it would mean everything to me. He won the competition, but today he's dead. He died. He's no longer with us. That talent show is forgotten except from those that, that he meant something to. To his family, they remember him. They remember to his relation. They remember to his friends. They remember. 
But everybody else, he's just now a footnote in history, and they don't remember his name at all. He won the show, but he lost his life. Can I tell you, what does he mean to you today? If I were to answer that, I'd have to say this. He means everything to me. A talent show doesn't mean everything. But the one that gave us the talent ought to mean everything. Who is he to you today? I mean, is Sunday just the day you set aside to, you know, be religious? Is Sunday the day that we set aside, oh, well, we're going to go to church today, and then tomorrow we're going to go to work? Is it in the same category? Or are you like David when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God? <laughs> does, he, does he mean a little bit more to you than that? Can I tell you who he is to me? He's Alpha and Omega. The beginning, the end. The first and the last and everything in between. He's the sweet rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. I am that I am. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's Aaron's rod that budded. A river in the wilderness. The solid rock. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The son of David. The son of God. The Messiah. And Jesus is his name. Somebody shout it out. You know who he is to me? He's an ever-present help in a time of need. You know who he is to me? He's the bread of life. He's a river that never runs dry. He puts a spring in my step and a song in my heart. He's the best friend I've ever had. And he's never, ever forgot me or forsaken me or left me. He is Jesus. When he becomes more to you than a 10 o'clock service on Sunday. When he becomes more to you than a social event, then everybody around you will know it. <laughs> they went to the house of Jason and they said, the people that are inside this house are the ones that have turned the world upside down. What were they saying? They were saying, there are people in this house, and Jesus means everything to them. And because he means everything to them, they've shared that everywhere they go. And everywhere they go, they're making a difference. How about it, friend? Are you ready to? <laughs> we can make a difference everywhere we go if he becomes everything to us. David was a king. He was a tremendous warrior, a giant killer. But when David failed God, in the 51st chapter of Psalm, David goes before God, and let me paraphrase for you. He said, God, if all you wanted was burnt offering and sacrifice, I'd give it. 
but I know you better than that, and that's not what you're after. You're not after a form and a fashion. He said, but a broken spirit and a contrite heart you won't despise. So don't take the joy of your salvation from me. Restore unto me that joy, the joy of my salvation. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You can have the throne back. I'll lay the crown at your feet. But you, Lord, mean everything to me. And if I lose you, I've lost everything. Do you understand today that there's no way you can lose out with God unless you choose to? He'll never walk away from you. He'll never turn his back on you. He is not a fair-weather friend. He doesn't come to see what he can get out of you, but rather what he can get to you. Jesus, Jesus is his name. I remember a story about a missionary. He was in a remote village and he shared the gospel. And a young man had walked miles to hear it. On the way home, he began to think about everything the missionary had said. He couldn't recall the name of the man that went to Calvary. The name of the one that loved him so much that he laid down his life. And, and it was more than he could bear to think, I, to, I'm going to go home and I don't know who he is. I, I can't remember his name. And he turned around and he walked back all those miles. And when he got to the missionary, he looked at him with tears in his eyes and he said, please, Please tell me his name again. And the missionary said, his name is Jesus. He raised his hands and began to praise him. Jesus, that's who he is. Jesus means everything to me. I wonder right now if you would just step out of your car and stretch your hands toward heaven with me. Would you do that? Stretch your hands toward heaven. Oh, but pastor, somebody might see. Why do you think I'm up on this roof? <laughs> this isn't Rick on the Roof Ministries, folks. I want people to see, not me, but him. I want them to know how much he loves them. Do you understand that you, my friend, are God's missionary. You are His ambassador. He sent you to share with everyone else who He is. Well, now some say He's John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and some Jeremiah. And those are all wonderful people to aspire to. But none of them can save you. But I say his name is Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. John the Baptist pointed at him and he said, Behold, 
the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. She raised your hands with me right now. I wonder if you'd pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you today to lay down everything at your feet. I acknowledge your blessing over my life even when I didn't embrace you in my life. When I didn't know you, you still knew me. You were always there like a long distant relative that I'd never gotten acquainted with. The father that I never knew. The brother that I never had. The friend that I always wanted. And so today, I humble myself before you and I say, here I am, God. Use me. Save me. Rescue me for your glory. Because from this moment on, Jesus, you mean everything to me. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in this place today. Worship with the praise team as they lead us in prayer. Or praise. Go on, guys. We love you all. May the Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here at 10 o'clock Sunday. We love you. Come on. Thank you.